special edition of The Spec Sheet with Curtis Thornton. On this broadcast, each listener will receive a complimentary pre-owned 10-gigabyte IBM IDE hard drive. No need to call about the drive. We have your information. To speak with Curtis, call now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's The Spec Sheet. No, I don't know why I don't hear you. Can you hear me? Now I do. Yeah. What okay. You have you hey, it, I, I'm not sure what this button is that I hit, but it seems like when I touch it, you can't hear me. Mm. Well, you've gone Evelyn on us. Uh, huh? You've what? gone Evelyn on us with the uh, with the mute button there. She always had a problem with that. I don't know why. We had more times than I could count where I I would just be talking into the breeze and uh, thinking she just didn't really have anything to say at that moment. <laughs> But in reality, she had been talking for like two minutes, and I had no idea because her mute button had apparently been engaged. That was fun. <laughs> anyway, yeah. this is the Spec Sheet. It's a technology podcast, which means it is an internet radio show. It's an obscure, uh, lightly listened uh, to internet radio show with very few fans, and we talk about technology. So, but the best fans on the internet, they you know of the fans that the show has, they are somewhat rabid aren't they yes they are <laughs> they, they and they just, deserve shows more regularly they do I apologize they, they just uh they they seem to just jump right in there as fans go anyway if you want to be on the show the number to call is 573-837-4948 573-837-4948 we'd be happy to take your tech questions if you happen to have any of those um, or just talk about really anything you want to talk about. It's entirely up to you. And you know, I got a tweet from Vlad over in Romania who uh, has in the past hosted a couple of spec sheet episodes with you, which you just then uh, proceeded not to post, but he, he, he did host the shows with you. He did a great job. And uh, he's apparently going to call in tonight at some point. At least that's my understanding. I've that's been told. Um, so, you know, one of the things I saw in the tech news, uh, most recently that immediately made you come to mind was the, uh, selling of Motorola mobility by Google to Lenovo. And I remembered at the time that this happened, the degree to which you poo-pooed the Motorola deal, uh, when, when Google bought it, you really poo-pooed it. You were very negative. But I predicted that something was going to happen. I, I just was uh, the opposite direction. I believed the heavens had parted. I believed that we were about to see the iPhone model applied on the Android side of things. So I thought what was going to happen was Google's going to buy Motorola Mobility. So now Google actually owns a manufacturer, is a manufacturer now, of the very devices that run their software. So y yippee, we're going to have... A totally integrated experience. Uh, You're going to have Apple. Right. On the Android yeah. side of things right. is exactly what I thought we were going to have. And it turned out entirely not to be the case. I mean, nothing was, nothing really ever came of it. 
Yeah, the Moto X is the closest thing you can say <clears throat> is uh, the Google phone from Motorola. And WR250 in the chat room says Google wanted the patents, which they apparently did because in, that the, was story, part of it. in the story I read, they kept pretty much all of them. Yeah, well, I, another thing that which I've always said is the secret part of that deal was set-top boxes, wanting those, wanting everything Motorola had with uh, mobile set-top box technology. So I guess in retrospect, they really didn't give a crap about the set-top boxes, did they? Well, yeah, ultimately. I mean, I if we're talking I, well, about cable some, boxes. Yeah, yeah, I think they they have patents that they wanted because the next version of Google TV is going to be you know something crazy and all-encompassing just like Xbox One. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think they intended to build anything with it. They just wanted to be in control of it. Why? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> because Google is in Microsoft's, Microsoft 1990 mode where they think they need to own everything but not come out with great products anymore. Oh, you're talking specifically in terms of the patents. Well, yeah, just everything. I mean, the, think of what they could have done with Motorola. Well, do you rem I remember you discussing the uh, cable box situation, that situation being that all of those uh, crappy cable boxes that you get from your cable provider are produced by Motorola Mobility. Right. And Or at least I guess most of or them Motorola, are. Motorola, yeah. Or Motorola, whatever. And that Google, in purchasing Motorola, Motorola Mobility, now owned the division of Motorola that produced these cable boxes. Right. And and so the idea was that really awesome things were going to happen. The heavens were going to part. We were going to see some sort of a crazy, awesome, integrated experience that ties your phone directly into your cable TV service. Um, and it was all just going to be really juicy. And, man, did it just turn out to be a big nothing, just a big disappointment. I, I'm yeah. really kind of through viewing Google as the company that's going to bring us neat things in the future, I think it's time for somebody else to walk up to the plate. And and yeah. and since is it Sergey Brin who took mm -hmm. over as CEO, or wasn't uh, who's yeah, the other we, guy? Uh, oh gosh, uh, on the spot I can't um, think of both their names. But Sergey, he took over as the uh, as the CEO, right? From yeah, Eric Schmidt, and, and he's uh, majorly obsessed with Steve Jobs. So he wants to be the new Steve. I don't know. I just, I, I don't like what I've seen so far since yeah, well, that guy took over. I mean, they just, they're buying up properties and then doing nothing with them and, and just letting them well, wither on the vine. Uh, the, the only place I get this news that I'm about to bring up is from the No Agenda show, but it's from, from what they've talked multiple times recently um, in San Francisco, people are starting to really get upset with Google because of the way they're taking over the town and make, and driving up prices for uh, properties and just generally not being good stewards of the control they have over the the city. It just seems like Google the, again. Any company who's complaining? Do, uh, John C. Dvorak is he? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, several times. It's not like a regular thing, but they brought up multiple times that there's like the Google bus. That I guess people are upset about. I don't know all the details of it, so I, I can't really get into too too much detail. But like Google Glass is probably the coolest thing I think they're doing right now. Uh, and is it but, really is it really cool though? I mean, well, I mean, it it, it looks cool on the surface. It does. Yeah, but I really don't know what you're going to do with it. Ultimately, I mean, I mean, it has all kinds of different directions it could go. But what you, I mean, what are you going to do with? It? Are you going to walk down the sidewalk and then suddenly, like an altered reality digital thing, is just going to superimpose itself over the exterior surface of a coffee shop and inform yeah. you this is a coffee shop? Would you like coffee? We believe you want coffee. This well, is no, coffee. 
it's going to say, uh, yesterday you ordered coffee from here just like this. We're going to go ahead and automatically put it on your account, and you're going to get 25 bonus points on the rewards program. You should stop in and get it if you want. I don't know, man. That just sounds like it complicates life. I, I just get the impression yeah. that, you know, I mean, as I do what I do for a living and fix the crap I fix and just sort of looking around at everything that people deal with in the course of trying to use technology and running their business on a day-to-day -day basis, I say to myself, I really don't believe computers made things that much more efficient in the office. I think we just changed how we do things, but it didn't really increase efficiency at all. As a matter of fact, I think there are instances in which a case could be made that computers have eroded efficiency in the workplace. And uh, I think that Google Glass is a great example of how someone could bring technology into their lives thinking that obviously this has to streamline my day-to-day -day experience just being alive and walking around when in reality it probably just puts all kinds of roadblocks in the way of you getting your shit done on a day-to-day -day basis just sidetracking you and distracting you and not really benefiting you necessarily it's just yeah. something something gimmicky and ooh, look at this it's it's shiny it's shiny I've always made the point with uh, any kind of software project I've worked on. Augmented reality was the term I was looking yeah, for. Augmented, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you can't do a process manually, then you don't need to automate it through a computer. Because I do think computers, they've given us a reason to complain about something else. Because if you think about it, you're in the computer business supporting business computers. How often do your customers probably complain about their computers in general and use that as an excuse to their customers why they didn't do their job? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think computers have just become the, the excuse. And we've grown up with it, so we're used to it. But go back, uh, say, 25 years ago when computers were becoming a, a dominant part of the, the workforce on people's desk. And it was probably confusing when you uh, blamed your computer for why you weren't getting something done. But nowadays... I, I, I think to. if you could go back like 50 years, 60 years into mm -hmm. any major American corporate enterprise and you could show them their future as we move into this electronic uh, technological age that uh, all of corporate, the corporate world eventually did move toward and say to them, look at what that entails. Look at the IT department that you're going to have to staff, all of the uh, security concerns that you're going to have to have that you otherwise wouldn't have had to have. Um, you just add it all up. I mean, I'm not so sure those businesses would look at that and say, yeah, the benefits outweigh the negatives. You know, just well, the modern yeah. era of workplace well, computing. Well, to follow that. The, the, the other thing that's funny is that same corporation when their IT manager comes in or would have been IT manager back then, uh, maybe like infrastructure person says, uh, we've got this huge mainframe system that we use to uh, do payroll or accounting uh, and we're going to simplify it, put these on everybody's desks and we have personal computers everyone's using or desktop computers and then jump forward several years later and all of a sudden we're talking about virtualization and bringing everything back to the mainframe and having a bunch of virtual machines that are going to run everything and everyone's going to log in through a dumb terminal. I mean, we, we keep going back and forth on the same cycle w with computers. It, it does get, kind of get boring because when do we make the big leap forward to where augmented reality is actually useful? I mean, I don't know 
I, I think our ability to imagine ways it could be useful. Uh, WR20 has had some good things in the chat room that he's brought up here, like uh, Jordy from uh, Star Trek. That seems like it could be really useful, but when you think about it, is that is that just us trying to apply something in a sci-fi? Uh, what what seems what seems like it could be useful? Uh, the the whole idea of augmented reality for someone oh. who's blind, like Jordy LaForge and his whole visor thing. Which right. if you uh, think about it, that that only saw spectrums of things he didn't see. You know the same way you know the average person sees. He he, he had you know enhanced vision, but it wasn't the same. Uh, a guy on the net brought up Oculus Rift. Yeah, I saw that. I just you, I used one of those uh, a few weeks ago for oh, the really? first time. Oh yeah. So it they are com they are like commercially available to regular people who aren't having well, sex with somebody in the tech industry. The, the the person who had it was a developer and on the advanced team, and they were the first ones to get theirs actually. So that person one. was having sex with somebody then. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and, huh. and let me tell you, it was amazing to see the the, the things they had set up with it. Uh, I played. First thing I did was play a racing game with it, and it's it is really weird because you find yourself as you're you're racing, you're turning your head you know side to side and looking behind you, and it all works. I was so impressed. The, by lat it. the, the latency is next to non-existent. Well, the the first few minutes you get into it, it you you get dizzy. It, it's really weird, and you have to your eyes have to adjust to the latency of it because there's a little there's a tiny enough bit. that your brain can detect it at least, but not right. like the. Yeah. VR headsets of the 90s. Oh, right. Yeah, no, no once your your brain and your, your motor skills get into sync with it, it's amazing. Uh, he had a demo uh, set up of walking on a spaceship, and the amazing thing of it was you could see in perspective of where you are to the things around you. So, like, I walk into uh, uh, a loading area on, on this spaceship, and the scale of looking up to see where the bay doors open is just huge. And then a ship comes into it and they're unloading cargo. I can walk right up to it and, uh, you know, practically touch it. I, I, it was so cool. Really? Uh, oh, so yeah. So when am I, I going to be able to buy this? Yeah, I don't know. That's what am I going to do with it when I do buy it? Yeah. Well, the, the other piece to it is that uh, he, he was telling me about uh, uh, things to, to, to mix your di your physical world into the digital world. So just like with motion capture, the little uh, uh, balls that they'll put on a person to capture their movements, mm -hmm. well, these, these little uh, uh, RFID things you, you put around <laughs> uh, Ziznak asked if there's a naked chip on the ch uh, chick on the spaceship. And of course, why would I have gone to it if there wasn't? Uh, but uh, you put these around your room and it gives an actual 3D representation of the room you're in. So as you're walking around on the Oculus Rift in the room playing a game or whatever situation, if it's a second life, when you come up to a wall in your room, it's a true wall in the 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 virtual world too. It, it knows the boundaries of where you're at. So if you say to yourself, I really do feel like I don't have enough dragons attacking me as I clean my home, that's mm -hmm. where you really should consider the Oculus Rift. I guess so, yeah. yeah. I say that to myself all the time as I'm sweeping and mopping, trying to help my right. wife around the house. I say to myself, if only a garden gnome would bite my ankle, <laughs> yes. uh, this would certainly be a m more fulfilling experience. Uh, maybe someday technology will converge with my wishes. And it seems as though it's happening. So I'm, I'm really looking forward. Thank yeah, you, well, Oculus Rift, who, by the way, lost their founder a few months ago, who was struck by a car that launched him like 50 feet in the air. It was a really bad crash. That wasn't virtual. No, that was real. <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> he did fly and die. And yeah. um, 
what what a shitty I mean set of circumstances. You're on oh, top yeah. of the world. You've got this company. You've got this technology that essentially creates a new paradigm in its tech, in its area, mm. and and a lot of doors are obviously wide open for the future as far as you know what life is going to throw your way in terms of riches and just everything because it's yeah. obviously an awesome product for what yeah. it does if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, well, and, well, the thing is that gaming. I mean, and now he's dead. Yeah, he. Well, now he gets to play with real virtual reality wherever he's at now. Depends on your philosophy spiritually. I don't yeah. know. Maybe he is up there in some great VR uh, Thunderdome in the sky. Or yeah. maybe he's just dead. I don't know. We'll have that uh, philosophical discussion on the next spec sheet. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited. Riveting. Yeah, so uh, if you want to be on the show, the number is 573-837-4948. It's 573-837-4948. Jasmunda in the chat room asks... If the accident was suspicious, and not that I know of. It yeah, was I just, didn't hear anything. It was just it so happen. left field. I mean, it was the last thing I'm sure anyone paying attention to his company or working in his company or who knew him expected to hear. Just mm -hmm. dead, getting hit by a car. God, that's, and that's such a, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a pretty common way to die, but no one ever sees that coming. <laughs> right. That, that's like getting hit by a bus. I mean, one moment you're talking to your buddies about something, and bam. It's just such a cliched way to die. Oh, you got hit by a bus. Hey, you got hit by a car. Yeah. And just like as you're in the street and you see the grill of this vehicle coming, you say, to yourself, I am that guy. Yeah. I am the guy who's responsible for people walking around saying that. Can you imagine the Google Google Glasses recording that last moment? That's where. You know what? Suddenly Google Gla Glass has a rich uh, sea of meaning and purpose as yeah. I see it. You can uh, share with your family revolutionary your last device. Moment. I think it should be federal law that everyone has to be wearing Google Glass yeah. when they die. <laughs> Man, can you imagine Come the uh, faces of death video? Just everyone, you just walk, you walk up to your thin, wafy, veiny grandmother as she's lying there and just slowly put the Google Glass on as she <laughs> takes her last few breaths. And then as you, and it's like Bluetooth connected to a laptop LCD so everyone can see the screen just stop bobbing up and down as she stops breathing. It's... Uh, Really a meaningful moment. Thank you, Google. You've done it again. Now you can watch Google it Glass. over and over again. That's not available yet either, is it? Google Glass? I can't even uh, say it, Google Glass. I know, it's hard Glass. to say. I have trouble saying Google. I have trouble saying my own name. If I tell someone, my, my name's Michael. I have to literally concentrate really hard to say that word. And I guess it's because I say that word a lot. I say my yeah. name a lot. Well, it's like trying to say your own phone number. I have to stop and think about it for a moment. Like I, I can rattle off anyone else or you people I call regularly his number, but my own phone number, I'm like, oh, it's uh, and then once I reset myself, I'm fine. But well, for me, it's oh. just any word that I say a lot becomes physically difficult for me to render to manifest as I'm yeah. speaking. I I used to have uh, a real problem with double W. Even still today, I do. I used to say W so much working in radio. W W W. I got. I developed a complex where I like had a hard time pronouncing it, and I would have to like really concentrate. And it's like in slow motion, I could just see my tongue moving around and in, in this fat hole that I call a mouth <laughs> as a I could just. Yeah. I it really got bad. I almost quit radio because of it. You're doing that. What? 
I, I, I envision Homer Simpson saying something with his mouth open uh, in slow motion, like right before he eats a donut or something, or a rib witch. And uh, by the way, the show's going to wrap up tonight at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern. Is that right? You said yes. you had to go at about 10 Eastern. Yes. Yeah. So if you guys yeah. have phone calls, as often happens, you have a tendency sometimes to wait until the last 10 minutes of the show and start calling in. So uh, how about doing that now? <laughs> yeah. I just want to let you know when the show is going to end so that if, in fact, you do intend to call, that you give yourself some some time to have a uh, a meaningful dialogue on the air here with us. So yeah. just keep that in mind. Show's over at 10 Eastern tonight. Is, uh, is Falky calling in this, this episode? I kind of expected he might. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind I, it I if he did. I, those recent stuff, I wouldn't mind it if he did. Wouldn't, but yeah. I don't have anything against Falky. I this is well, inside baseball for anyone. You'd have to be a Bellgab.com user to understand or this. And there are Gabcast two point Monday nights. Or that there are people though who probably listen to this show but have no idea of anything that's going on on that forum. Have never even yeah. seen it. I'm sure. Isn't that funny to think about? It is. Well, didn't you mention recently that you were in a cab? And you heard the podcast? Oh, no, but a friend of mine was in a random oh, that's taxi. Little, that's what it was. Just okay. somewhere. I don't remember where he said he was. It wasn't anywhere near where I live. It was just, I think he was out of state somewhere. I don't remember where he said it was. But he said just, he got in a taxi, just a random taxi, and the taxi driver was uh, listening to the spec sheet. Can you that believe that? Awesome. <laughs> that? That makes me want to do a show every week. Well, I mean, it means we're Just, penetrating, Curtis. We are yeah. penetrating. We are ins well, we are inserting ourselves into the Jeff mass consciousness. Um, He's all about inserting and penetration. So, um, did we really pretty much say all there is to be? I think that this thing with Google buying Motorola Mobility is uh, selling it rather to Lenovo is pretty exciting because some of the other stories I've read have suggested that. Uh, the only thing is Lenovo's the company that killed the ThinkPad. Do you think so? Because I've heard a lot of people say they think they really did a great job of keeping up the uh, the, the quality standards. and Or did they literally end the ThinkPad line? And I don't know that. No, no. They, for a little while, they did, did fine. But it, it, back in the day, ThinkPads were the toughest laptops you could get for like day-to-day -day work type situations. I mean, they were perfect business laptops. And... Uh, when Lenovo took over, it wasn't long before they released the first plastic ThinkPad, and they have they have lines of like consumer ThinkPads. They they just totally ruined the the name ThinkPad, just like uh, Dell did with Alienware. Used to be Alienware was a you know top of line system that you actually had some credibility if you said yeah my gaming system's an Alienware. Now it's like oh you have a Dell rebranded. That's great. And the thing that really sucked was the juxtaposition between Dell and Alienware because if you went to Dell.com and, well, let's say you first went to Alienware's website and you built a machine and then you go to Dell.com and you build a uh, precisely comparable uh, machine in terms of specs all the way down, the, the price differential between those two was just silly. It was as though... I don't know. Dell just shouldn't have owned them because it's like yeah. I know intellectually that the same company owns both of these, Alienware and uh, Dell itself. And so I have to assume that a lot of the same standards and practices apply oh. for both in terms of how they're manufactured, the quality standards that are applied to each in the course of production. And just on down the line, it's a, it's a Dell. 
And yeah, and, and, it didn't and, take and, long before Dell took over and, as far as the components. And for that to be the, the environment they created where I could go to Dell and custom build a, a precisely specced machine exactly as the one I saw on Alienware's website and the price but the price would be really huge for the Alienware. Why? Because it's got a fancy chassis. Right. That's great. I love a yeah, fancy it's, chassis. It's got glow-in-the-dark stickers on it. That's all uh, it is. It's a fancy case. Yeah. <laughs> WR250 uh, is trying to say that uh, Lenovo's, he's never had problems with their ThinkPads, and he thinks I'm talking about the IdeaPads. Mm, which maybe. I know the IdeaPad, too. No, trust me. They're think pads that are made of plastic and are consumer level uh, laptops that are mar marketed as think pads, and that really annoys me. IBM wouldn't have done that. They they're in the the business to sell to business, and Lenovo is not. Um, I I forget who it was in the chat room that asked how many listeners we have. We have eighteen. Yeah. So if you want to know, there's the number. We have 18 yeah. live listeners, which is fine because we get way more listeners on the on the download side of things. It's yeah. just on the DL. It's just nice to know that someone is there as you're doing the show live because it sort of changes your approach to how you do the show. If we oh, did yeah. this and we just recorded it and we didn't stream it and nobody could listen to it and then we just put the recording out there, the flavor and the tone and the approach of everything would be very different. So, um, yeah, we'd like to have a thousand people listening live, but it's not necessary in order to at least achieve the goal, which is to give the show a live feel, which it has. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So do you have anything else about Motorola, Motorola mobility being? Uh, well, I just, I, I Oh, I, I was going to say I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. Um, I think it's a good thing because I'm already reading news stories about how Lenovo is going to be producing pure Android phones with just a pure Google experience, no uh, encumbrances from them or from manufacturer or from uh, carriers or anything. Um, that sounds exactly. pretty exciting. That's, That's all I ever yeah. wanted. Mm -hmm. And if it can't come from Google themselves, okay, fine, so be it. But I am kind of tired of buying Nexus devices. I mean, well, not that I've owned a bunch of them. I've only had the Galaxy Nexus, but... I don't know, man. It just, uh, and I'm sure the new Nexus is light years ahead of this, but. I still want that. I, I wish I had held out to get the new Nexus. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you yeah. for that. Well, I made the mistake of getting a 16 gig uh, iPhone 5S. And like out of the gates, I didn't have enough storage space to do anything. I just wish, uh, I'd like to have a pure Android experience, but at the same time. I'd like to be able to put an SD card into the phone. Right. And you can't do that with a Nexus device because I guess Google's uh, official like benchmark specs say a phone running Android shouldn't have an SD drive. Yeah, that's so they one. don't. Uh, I don't know. So I don't know. I think maybe uh, the Lenovo thing is going to be a pretty good deal as far as what it right. means to buy a Motorola device. Uh, either way, the company's in shambles and Google did absolutely nothing to repair that whatsoever and it just seems like such a wasted pool of cash they spent like yeah. 12 billion and some change to buy that company and now they're yeah, selling it for what three yeah but you don't hear about uh anything with uh patent stuff anymore yeah but Remember i mean is that well oh is you think that put an end to the patent problems with apple oh it did yeah or it's I'm, not I mean, a yeah, it, you don't think that, it did I'm, it actually did yeah well because samsung and because that was a play to help samsung too in the moment and that whole thing is 
died down. I mean, every once in a while you hear little battles between uh, appellate courts, but it's. A, I mean, I, I don't think anyone actually paid anybody in any real suit. Hmm. Uh, and Google went, snapped up a bunch of, uh, or snatched up a bunch of uh, patents, and they helped bolster uh, Samsung. And I think there's a whole lot of other things happening too with those patents, uh, ideas that they wanted to be able to corner for the future. Uh, uh, one thing that's I was just thinking about was Google buying Nest really annoys me. Uh, I don't know if you pay attention at all to that, but Nest is the the computer controlled thermostat that learns from your uh, setting or the way you set it, mm-hmm. and it has a whole mobile side to it. But uh, it annoys me that Google's already trying to get involved into the world of watching what you do on TV. Uh, they they want to be involved in the power distribution network with smart. Uh, power meters, and now they're going to also be monitoring your thermostat for you because Google's going to own uh, the whole Nest device. I, I just I think Google really is like the the fourth arm of the government. You've got the executive, the judicial, the legislative, and the Google branch. I don't know. I don't think it's ever going to come to that. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, are we all going to be forced to have these devices in our homes? No, that's just not well, going to happen. We're trying to do that with uh, smart meters. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you live in California where that type of stuff is happening and 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 it happens to you, you deserve it, I think, cuz the politicians in California are just insane. I can totally see the state of California. I mean, for a state to well, come in a job and, bill for them. What? That's a job bill for them since Google is located there. Hmm. The more money they could bring there so they they'd have a self uh interest in that. I just think any state where the government will come in and tell you that you can't buy an incandescent light bulb. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I just, I'm sorry, the, I have a problem with that. I pay for the electricity that I use, and yeah. I'll I'll use it the way I feel is appropriate for me, and I don't need somebody else to tell me, no, this is the way you should use your electricity. Granted, I don't buy incandescent bulbs because I choose not to, because yes. Do you buy LEDs or... Uh, I just buy those fluorescent ones. Those seem pretty good now. They really sucked like five, six, seven years ago. They're better now, yeah. I still don't like them. But. They turn on instantly, and the light they produce seems really spot on close to an incandescent. Yeah, um, I would love to switch my house to LED, but it's so expensive. It really is. It's so cost prohibitive, and that's the thing that makes it all a big joke is, let's say you go out and you buy these uh, newfangled uh, fluorescent bulbs, and then you look at how much money they actually save you over the course of what? How many years mm-hmm. do I have to use this thing to save that? It's a paltry amount of money. Uh, I mean, it really is. Is this really the the source of our energy problems in this country? Too many incandescent yeah. bulbs out there. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the amount of money you save with a fluorescent bulb, I think that alone is illustrative of the fact that no. Incandescent bulbs are not our problem. Uh, we have much bigger problems. We don't. We don't have enough power plants. We don't generate power in the right. I think uh, nuclear power is wonderful. Oh yeah. Well, uh, well I, 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 I just need to know why we haven't become a Type One civilization yet. Why aren't we using the power of the sun? I don't want to live next to a coal plant because I don't right. like the idea of getting cancer. But I would be much happier to live next to. A nuclear power plant, which... Well, I think uh, there's a lot of real estate in Fukushima if you're interested. Well, look, I, I I, mean, if you live in an area that's prone to that kind of stuff, like crazy... I mean, okay, maybe you shouldn't put nuclear power plants on the ring of fire. Right. That's 
something that I could certainly concede as a possible problem or right on a fault zone or whatever. But well, it's it's like putting a whole city under a sea level right beside the ocean. But I just don't understand why when we have nuclear energy that produces energy so efficiently and near free. I mean, I just, uh, yeah, there's ways. We have ways to deal with that, though. And, eh, well, whatever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm no uh, astrophysicist, but I've always wondered if we were able to build either a space elevator or a relatively safe way to take nuclear waste up into space, why couldn't we just set it on an orbit to the sun and obviously, it's going to take a long time for it to get there. But just let that stuff burn up in the sun and not store nuclear waste on the planet. Is the big worry that you don't want to have a rocket blow up with uh, nuclear waste on it and have fallout all over the country? I guess all the first it. question is, can we really build the space elevator? And I don't Well, yeah, I would love to have that first off because that would make it you know, cost, uh, not cost prohibitive to do something like that. But I've always thought about that here. We're going to dig into mountains out in Colorado, right? To Nevada. Put, Nevada. Okay. Uh, to, to put nuclear waste inside it. And I agree. Nuclear power plants make sense. I mean, look at France who, uh, loves, uh, nuclear or at least they did. Isn't that but, ironic? Uh, they seem so just like dovish never, and, yeah. uh, just anti everything <laughs> but on the one <laughs> yeah. issue that a lot of people who are like in america people who consider themselves to be francophiles and aligned with the french way of thinking i'm sure are with uniformity entirely anti-nuclear oh yeah uh, but then you go to yeah. france and it's just nuclear city over there uh, i yeah. think they got 80 percent of their power that way yeah they're, well they're yeah their power costs are so low uh, i know that uh, well, and I love the cities over in, uh, I think it's Sweden, or um, I could be wrong, maybe Norway, that tapped into uh, geothermal energy so that, like, their streets are, they, they, they have heaters built into the concrete so they never have ice on the, the roads. Uh, and you really don't have to pay anything for power because it's all uh, the government invested in geothermal. Uh, why can't America do that? For as big of a landmass as we have in so many different ways through hydro, uh, geothermal, all these ways that we could uh, power sections of our country and we don't truly take advantage of it. And then throw in nuclear in it to Iceland. Okay, uh, WR250, who's uh, just burning it up here in the chat room with uh, great stuff. Uh, <laughs> he Iceland says... Is he, sa he says uh, it won't burn up, and I guess he's referring to the nuclear waste that would be yeah. theoretically launched at the sun. I don't care. Let it sit yeah. there in the sun. What's it, I mean, know? what's it going to do, float around on the surface of the sun? Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's the sun. It's a, yeah, well, you've already got something that's producing radiation. Let's go ahead and send some more. Well, it's being dropped into the middle of a gigantic nuclear explosion. Right. Yeah. That, and, and with a gravitational field that's going to keep anything released as a result of the insertion of this nuclear waste right there on the sun. Yeah, and then 10,000 years from now when some extra uh, galactic civilization comes through and they see our uh, sun and it's just this big mess of nuclear waste. <laughs> you abused your sun. Yeah. You weren't supposed but the to... the sun's still working, though. That's going to be the thing. Well, it, might be a, it, it might be a wasteland, but... It'll be there. So the space elevator has been officially abandoned, has it not? As I think idea, it has. I mean, I haven't sure. heard anything about that other than dreams. Uh, okay. Well, that's interesting. 
Um, the U.S. Army welcomes driverless vehicle technology. This is from a while, this is from HNGN.com. The U.S. Army can now keep a, an eye on hostile urban places and battlefields without fearing for their lives through the use of driverless vehicle technology. This story cr really creeps me out. The U.S. Department of Defense last year expressed its desire to have driverless drones be because it can not only save human lives, but it can also act according to a programmed set of inputs like selecting a target and firing at it, at it, even without someone checking it. So we're going to have automated vehicle technology that can drive around on city streets and foreign countries that we're continuing to patrol for whatever reason and shoot at living human beings without the input of a human being to explicitly instruct it or give it permission, yes, in fact, to shoot that person. Isn't this how Skynet started? That is just the creepiest shit. I and the way this we story was Pandora's box, man. The way this story was written by Julie S. <laughs> it was all just sort of laid out here. Like these are all net gains. The autonomous yeah. mobility applique system will allow the army to have a safer surrounding and achieve its goal of total autonomous warfare. AMAS adds substantial weight to the army's determination to get robotic systems into the hands of the war fighter said so-and-so, and there was a point somewhere in the story, I lost it, but they said that this essentially gets the Army one step closer to its goal of totally autonomous warfare. Yeah, I, yeah. I, Why is that a goal? That should never, it should never be a goal that we reach a state where warfare is conducted on a truly automated basis with no need for human input. I don't care so, where you're taking lives. If you're taking lives, there has to be there has to be some sort of a human element involved in the course of making that decision. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to live in a world where a machine can legally be created and operated that can decide arbitrarily based on its machine brain and whatever yeah. parameters have been uh, programmed into it, whatever don't algorithm is running. They, it can just kill me? I mean, if it can, if these machines can be allowed to operate in the field in foreign countries, why would they not be allowed to operate here? Um, you have to, you have to make that leap immediately. Uh, I, I think all these people who build the, the technology to to do this, they they saw the same sci-fi, the same warning stories all throughout our history, uh, that or all, all throughout you know recent history that this is a bad idea. Well, there there also are rapists, even though we know yeah. rape is bad. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, every person who's ever been, like, a futurist uh, about technology has worried about the point when technology, where there, there's, a, there's this peak that you get to to where technology stops being useful and it becomes controlling. And, and that's even if it's dumb technology. Let's assume there's no real AI involved in it, but it's just a machine brain, like you said earlier. But there's, there's a, a point when you cross that peak to where you can't come back. It's too late. If you give up too much control of, of it, you're done. Uh, probably not a great comparison, but I'll bring up the movie The Matrix, uh, where you know the, the people in Zion, they really don't even know how the city was built and how it keeps running, but they live there and it works. And so they decide to rebel against uh, the, the robots. But that's the future we have to look forward to also, is that we're not going to know how to fix the machines when they break down. Because the machines have built more complex machines, and that's just because we've built into them the ability to create more uh, 
efficiency on a level that we couldn't do on our own, and then we're stuck. It's bad. No matter, either they start shooting at us or they build systems far too complex for us to maintain. I've always just had a natural, um, just a visceral revulsion by the idea of automated stoplight cameras to send people a bill for mm -hmm. a ticket whenever they're speeding or they run a red light. I, yeah. I just always felt like that's not the way our legal system is supposed to work. I am supposed to look another human being in the eye we're supposed to have a discussion about what just occurred, and then he's supposed to use his discretion in that incident, in that moment, to make a determination as to what needs to happen with me, and that's the way our system works, and then I can go to court and I can have a I mean, discussion I, I, there with this guy or about this guy, whatever I need to do, but you, you just take the human element out of everything, and you essentially turn the legal process into an uh, entirely into a factory just like an yeah, automated uh, conveyor belt where yeah 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 we know traffic tickets you know sometimes someone might get one and it's not really something they're guilty of but hey this is a factory we need uh, we need dollars coming in so you've just been selected to help us continue that and so mail your bill in and and it's the end of the discussion i i just uh i'm sorry i don't like that so you can imagine my thoughts as i see us technologically approaching a day and age where machines, in fact, will have the ability, uh, both logistically and legally, to kill us. Yeah, you know, I, I worked in college for three years uh, for a police department. I wrote, I, I was a, a parking off enforcement officer, and one of the most powerful tools that an actual full-fledged police officer has is discretion and knowing when and how to use the the power that that they have and i'm not saying that all police officers are perfect but when they do it right that's the the most powerful thing they have and i have to assume in war or maintaining a presence like in iraq or afghanistan the soldiers there again the most powerful tool they have is discretion uh i, I recently had heard a story about a guy who had been overseas you know, served several tours in iraq when he came back home uh, in a familiar place with people he knew he still watches everything and everybody because little kids potentially could be your enemy over there and you get trained to you know to begin look using discretion but then also just your active listening and watching skills you have to always be on on alert and then you come back home and you're always that way i mean you, it's hard to turn that off that would be the only positive to being an automated system but i think you'll lose so much more uh, by, by going automated. Someday we're going to fight a war that we're going to hear about because we'll get the results in our Google News Feed. You know, it, it, it'll be all machine or Bitcoin servers running back and forth trying to see who can mine the last piece of a Bitcoin and there is a war over it and we won't even know. Regarding the automated war vehicles, this professor at Purdue University says it could be less emotional, more selective, and able to provide force in a way that achieves a tactical objective with the least Maybe. harm. A lethal autonomous robot can aim better, target better, select better, and in general be a better asset with the linked ISR, that's intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance packages it can run. No mention of the concerns that one might have just from a human being perspective philosophically oh, yeah, and, and this just shows the degradation that's happened in our our nation's universities because it used to be like if you went back 40 years ago let's say 50 years maybe 
you could count on someone working in academia to say, no, this is a bad thing. This is this is something that we as human beings, we as a people, um, we well, as 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 biological beings who, who are sentient and alive on this planet should instinctively uh, resist. But no, yeah, well, you, you know, nuclear war. Uh, this probably isn't a very popular point of view uh, for the patriots out there. But if we hadn't had Russia start developing nuclear weapons, if we had maintained, you know, the, the sole possession of extremely powerful atomic and then nuclear weapons, we would have used them more because there would have been no deterrent against us to say, hey, we have a problem over here. We know how to solve it quickly. We would have found ways to, to do that. I mean, our scientists consistently wanted to uh, shoot nukes up into the atmosphere to see what the results were of it, just te to test it. Uh, but since we had a deterrent and an enemy who had weapons potentially just as powerful as ours, mutually assured des destruction was created. So it, it, it completely limited our ability to use those from that point forward, and I think that's a very good thing. Uh, I mean, it's bad that we have so many weapons out there, but it, it was good that we always had a standoff about it rather than either side ever actually using nuclear weapons after our, our first first two uses of it. But with automated... That's uh, the only thing that, that put the Cuban Missile Crisis to an end was right. the assurance of destruction on both sides. Yeah. That's think it. about a world where Russia didn't, didn't develop atomic and nuclear weapons. We, we, if, just like the, the military is now where they think, you know, let, let's take a robot out here to, uh, to fight our wars for us. Back in the day, if uh, somebody flared up, let's... I won't use Cuba because it's too close to here, but but let's say Vietnam or uh, uh, oh, uh, trying to think of another good country uh, or Korea uh, with what was happening there. Uh, <laughs> you, you know the military would have said, "Well, hey, we have this solution. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it took care of things, and we didn't lose any U.S. soldiers as a result of it." We would have used nuclear weapons more, and I hate that, but uh, or I hate to think that way, but I think it's a fair assumption. But uh, if we are the if we start off as the leader in these automated systems, then you know in general the Americans will feel great because we're not putting our soldiers into harm's way, but we're killing soldiers and enemies in other countries. What happens when they get them too? You always have to think about the fact. You know, once you develop any kind of earth-shattering technology, what happens when your enemy gets it? Well, the obvious conclusion here is that if this is going to be used, we've seen the militarization of our police departments. What what used to be mm -hmm. something that you only saw from guys uh, going to war, those tactics and the approach yeah. they take to doing their jobs have now uh, been applied to how your local police force operates. Well, Gone are the days of the Rockwell painting with the little boy sitting in the diner, running away from home, sitting next to the police officer. The fat, you know, smiling, joyful police officer admonishing him that maybe he should go back home. Those days are so gone. And and so why is it a stretch to conclude that this aspect of how our military operates won't also work its way into how our police departments operate so that 20 years from now, as you look outside your front window in your home, you'll see a car go by, you'll see a bicycle go by, you'll see a kid on a scooter go by. And then you'll see some hardened, autonomous, armored vehicle with big, thick 
tires with huge treads and machine gun turrets on the top that are just seemingly randomly turning around and around and around, looking over the neighborhood as it slowly and creepily makes its way down the street as you uh, decide you'll stay inside for a few more seconds until it goes by because, well, you just never know. Uh, But at the same time, an Amazon drone drops in your backyard to deliver your package. (sighs) It's... Can you imagine the world 50 years from now? I, I don't think any of us listening to this podcast right now can imagine the different ways technology is going to morph in the next 50 years. And I'm not optimistic about it. That That's the unfortunate thing, being somebody who makes my living off of technology and loves it. But at the same time, all the things we're talking about, that they're going to come to an, an end that I don't think is successful for the average person. The, the, the gulf between the haves and the have-nots is going to grow so much. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm glad we've thoroughly depressed all of our listeners tonight. Thank you for tuning yeah. in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been <laughs> wonderful. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. This is the spec sheet if you want to be on the show. Give us a call. The number to call, 573-837-4948. It's 573 573- Eight three seven forty nine forty eight. Back in a minute or two. Ask a friend how far they'll bend to get their hearts designed. This is the spec sheet. Most will say with lots of pain, is it just until they tire? With Curtis Thornton, the Internet's premier technology podcast. On this broadcast, we're accepting tech support calls only from middle-aged black females named Lois. Call the show now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's the spec sheet. You won't hey. What do you think about the new bumper music? I don't hear you. Do you hear me? And that's about the moment when I realized I would never again. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what do you think? I, that, that, I, I like it. You like the new bumper tunage? I thought I that it kind of spruces things up a bit because we've yeah. had the same bumper music for so long. Not, not to say anything bad about the general's music. It was great. That's why we used it yeah. for so long. But that coupled with the fact that he's now doing a podcast, and I would think that he would want to use his own music as yeah. much as possible on his own podcast. So, yeah, I'm really impressed by his show, too. I mean, it's so cool. I mean, I, I don't know anything about the music industry or mu- musical instruments. I have no talent in it. But listening to someone who's an expert in what they do talk about it is really cool. We're talking about The Fret Files with Eric Daw, which is a par- guitar podcast. It's a podcast about gu- uh, repairing guitars. Um, I guess you could say about playing guitars, modifying guitars. Anything pertaining to guitars, that show talks about it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that, take a listen. I suspect that that show is quickly going to become one of the more listened to shows at ufoship.com, specifically because it's so niche. 
And yeah. I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that are interested in guitars in one aspect or another that are going to just suck that show right down. They're going to lap it up. And yeah, I would I've expect told several people about it who are excited. I would expect. Yeah, I would expect once the word gets out, it's pretty much all over. That's going to be the show that everybody gives a crap about. And um, so, what sure, was I going to be off? What was I going to say? I was going to say something else about his show. Anyway, I don't know. Oh yeah, I before I didn't even listen to the first show before I posted it. I had I had no idea what he was going to put together, how it was going to be put together, just that he was going to do it and send me the audio, and I was so confident that it was going to be awesome, I didn't even listen to it before I posted yeah. it. And my instincts were obviously right on. It's Yeah, I'm going to steal show. an idea from him. Uh, the, the whole idea of having people call and then play that, you know, tech support calls back on the show, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, that is a great idea. I, I just was kind of wondering how did he work that out because, like, I guess he's taking the calls from where he works. So I'm assuming what happens is someone calls up with a question and he says, is it okay if I record our call? And then they say yes. And then he proceeds. I'm assuming that's how it, I'm sure the people, they know they're being recorded. There's no doubt about that, but I was wondering how he makes it. So it sounds so smooth and, uh, like the way it needs to sound. <laughs> he, right. did, he really yeah. did a great job. He put a lot of thought into everything. And actually I'm kind of embarrassed in some ways because uh, I don't know. He's doing much better than he should have been right out of the gate. I'm a little jealous. I, I think he's one of those guys that when he touches something, he's put so much thought and effort into it that it, it is smooth. So the uh, bumper music that uh, we played going out of the last segment and coming back into this segment, those are both tunes by Saga which is a progressive rock band that started in 1978, and they've released like a zillion albums. And uh, we are using that with permission. So before anyone who likes, you know that, uh, you know that, uh, oh God, if you go to ufoship.com and you can take the listener survey mm -hmm. and you can, you can answer the questions A, B, C, and D, but then there are a couple of sections where you can just type what you want to say commentary-wise into a form and I remember one of them a while back I was reading was someone pissing and moaning because they heard copyrighted music on the podcast. And I'm just th and this is just like some regular person. This isn't mm. someone who's working for the RIAA or anything. It's just a regular Everybody person. Everybody is. Everybody works secretly for them. We've all been embedded. It's just some regular person who stumbled into the podcast complaining about that. I'm thinking, man, what... What kind of concerns is your day comprised of where this is the thing that you get bent out of shape over? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean that's not something that a normal person would hear and they oh, I got to submit a comment on this and sit down in front of their computer and start clicking away to get to the form and then start typing about how upset they are that they heard copyrighted music on the show and it's very upsetting to me. The host is very irresponsible in this regard. I just, uh, what kind of person is that? That's not yeah, a normal human. I imagine. Be yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah, there is no normal. God. Well, anyway, so yeah, those, I, I would highly recommend if you're in any way interested in the type of music that you heard is using as bumper music. There, check out Saga. Um, they are go go to YouTube and and just type Saga live and look at some of their more recent live performances. My God, they are pre. I mean, they are precision in human form they are do they have a vivo account or or not i don't, I don't know. know i don't know what it takes to be a vivo artist or not but i don't know 
<laughs> I've no idea. Yeah. Vivo, yay! Another online service I'll never use. Probably that's great. <laughs> yeah, well, it makes it harder to get the YouTube video if you want to download it if they're Vivo. Yeah. Well, anyway, so check out Saga. Go to YouTube and type Saga Live. You can. I mean, they've got stuff spanning my entire lifetime. But um, yeah, I've done some work with Michael Sadler, who's the singer from Saga. They had a couple hits in the eighties. Um, one Are of they on which, the soundtrack. I don't know. They very well may be. Is this the? No, that's not it. Let me see. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, this is their biggest hit. I'll let it, I'll let it play through the hook. Okay, if you if you don't know it by now, you won't, <laughs> because that was the hook. But yeah, uh, well, it seems that for some reason when I, I hear their music, I I think of a like a '90s movie that had I don't know if it was that song in it. Hmm. I don't think it was, but there was another song of theirs I heard when I was going through YouTube. Well, Michael sometimes sounds like Getty Lee to me, and sometimes not, and so maybe you're confusing that. I don't know. That could be. Who knows? <laughs> Although is, is he out there? Because uh, Getty Lee is the guy who's done like uh, benefit stuff, right? Well, he's the singer from Rush. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know. Sometimes sometimes I detect a little bit of that in how he sings, and but usually he doesn't sound at all like him. I don't know. But they kind of have... A lot of people have set, commented over the years that they sort of sound like Rush. They are a Canadian band. I'm sure there had to be some influence <laughs> That's what there. That's what I say, too, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so we are using that with permission. So anyone who wants to uh, complain from a copyright standpoint... Your complaints will land you uh, dead in a ditch. No, uh, just nobody will care. <laughs> well, we'll get one of those automated systems to patrol your neighborhood. So anyway, over the break, you sent me links to a few stories that we should talk about, one of which really piqued my interest, which is the uh, about-face Microsoft has decided to pursue with regard yeah. to Windows Metro, which is essentially what otherwise is known as tile hell, for those yeah. of you who use Windows 8. Yeah, let me ask you this. Have you used Windows 8.1? I uh, have it installed on my main production machine. Okay, do you like it? Well, I mean, I've got Start 8 and Modern Mix running, so it's as close to a Windows 7 machine as it can be. So I guess yeah. I, I can say, yes, I do like it, because Windows 8 is definitely, from a performance perspective, much better, better than Windows 7. I mean, those performance enhancements, uh, they definitely are there. They're, they, yeah. and they're, they're, ta they're tangible, and they are recognizable just in the course of day-to-day -day use. So for that reason alone, I recommend installing Windows 8, fully updating it, installing Start 8 so that you can have your Start menu back, and you can get rid of all the charms and bull crap that pops up every time your mouse pointer accidentally makes its way to the corner of the screen. And then install Modern Mix so that, oh, I don't know, whenever Tile Hell takes over and just decides it's going to go full screen and not really give you any sort of uh, immediately obvious way back, 
You can just move right up there to the top yeah. right-hand corner, and you can turn it into a window and deal with it that way, or you can just close it entirely. No more bull crap. I can't understand how in the hell anyone ever at any point in the development of Windows 8 thought that this was the way forward. I, I just... Uh, I've never seen a corporate enterprise, a, a publicly shared company, go so far out of its way not to listen to the clamoring of people who just, with uh, consistency and unison, ubiquitously everywhere, said, no, this is not a good thing. You need to uh, make a change or two here. And here it is. Windows 8's been out for, what, two years now? Thereabouts? Yeah, say it's... It's taken two years into its into its public life, into its mainstream life, for Microsoft to finally realize, you know what, this is a mistake. And and the the irony is, uh, <laughs> Microsoft created this tile hell in Windows 8 because they wanted to get people used to using tablets, and so that uh, when you'd go into Best Buy, you'd already be accustomed to tile hell. So when you'd see a Windows 8 tablet, you could say to yourself, ah, yes, I'm familiarized. This is comfortable to me. This is what some focus group within Microsoft decided would happen. This is the degree to which they have their finger on the pulse of how consumers think. But what in reality ended up happening was they forced this new version of Windows on people with this clunky, useless, just illogical user interface on people. And obviously and predictably, everyone hated it. And so then what happened was the same people who hated that and felt anxiety every time their computer would launch into Metro for this or that. I mean, can you imagine being someone who doesn't know how to choose what program opens a JPEG image when oh, you double-click on it? And then go, you double-click on it, and it opens up in the new Metro photo viewer instead mm -hmm. of just the Windows photo viewer where you can easily just keep doing everything else that you were doing at the same time you're viewing a photo. No, that's not good enough. We need to we need to go full screen with it. Take everything over, and this photo will be the only thing that your focus uh, shifts to. Nothing else will be on your mind. The start menu, the, the clock, at the, the task bar with all the icons, nothing. You're just going to look at this picture, and you're going to shut up. Uh, imagine you don't know how to decide... No, I don't want to use that to view photos. Can you imagine how frustrating that is every time you double-click on a photo and it opens up in the Metro oh, photo viewer? That. Yeah, the first thing I do is right-click and open with. Absolutely. But just imagine being a regular consumer, not a computer technician, not a computer scientist, not someone who understands these things, just someone who wants to use a computer. And and double, I just imagine the anxiety people are going through. So then people go through this shit with their computers, and then they go to Best Buy, and they see these tablets with that same user interface, and immediately their mind is sucked back, right back to their computer at home that they hate so much, and they say, holy shit, I know to stay away from that. That's definitely not what I want. So in reality, Windows 8 on the desktop and Microsoft's approach to it essentially ensured that they will never get anywhere with Windows 8 tablets. With Windows tablets, period. As long as they keep that same recognizable Metro interface that people are seeing when they go into Best Buy, there's yeah. no way Microsoft ever gets any ground on the on the tablet side. Well, have you noticed that uh, you can get a Surface Pro, a uh, 128 uh, gig version now for like $400? That's because nobody wants it. 
Yeah. Well, it's a cool little tablet, though. Yeah, great. When you hold one in your hands. That's awesome. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't see the average person using it, but. It's an underpowered but, lump of shit, uh, and it's overpriced versus the specs that it comes with. There's no reason from yeah, a I technology standpoint, there's nothing happening in there inside that piece of plastic to warrant the cost. Yeah, whatsoever. I think $400 is fine for the pro version and like 80 bucks for the RT. Yeah, but you understand what it is you're buying. The, right. the regular no, I know. That's why I, I thought that it was the biggest scam in the world when I saw RT even come out. Uh, have you noticed uh, in the commercials for the Windows 8 phones that are out, they use a song from Sarah, I think Borellis is her name, called Brave. And uh, I think it's funny that their whole marketing thing, marketing theme for Windows 8 and Windows 8 phones is that you should be brave and just go ahead and buy one of their phones rather than any of the great phones that are out there that are not Windows 8. Hmm. I'm looking for the commercial you're talking about, but I don't know if I... Uh... Yeah, well, they play the music in the background, but there's only a couple commercials where they actually have like the whole song playing, and it's, it's all about being brave and do what you want to do and don't worry about what other people think. And I'm like, is that really the way you want to promote your phone is to say that it's so different than everything else that I know you're scared to use it. Honestly, so go ahead and be brave and buy my product. Camera. My boyfriend has a lot of canvas moments. Hold on, I'm going to restart this. Honestly, I wanted a phone with a better camera. Oh my, God. my boyfriend has a lot of canvas moments. I checked out the Windows phones and saw the Lumia 1020 has 41 megapixels. Ooh. So I can zoom way in even after I take the picture. And I can adjust the shot before I take it so I get it exactly how I want. So I went with the Windows phone. Maybe I just see things other people don't. Yeah, nice acting. Um, that's another thing. I'm getting tired of, obviously, fake testimonials. We know you're reading a script. Stop acting. I mean, people are savvy now. You know, like, if you yeah. if you put this commercial in front of people in 1958, then they may say to themselves, Oh, by God, Meredith, I need to go buy a Windows phone. Right. Uh, but not in the year 2014. People see some chick who's... Oh. Man, the moderately the doable uh, reading a script uh, given to her by a big, huge company that wants us to buy their shit. Two thoughts going to my head. One is anyone who has a Facebook account or a, or a Instagram, all those different things. Look how much fake stuff people fall for in videos and pictures. So people are still dumb about that. And then two, have you noticed the trend in commercial advertising? It used to be that you saw perfect people that, you know, the average person will never be as perfect as this model is, whether it's a guy or a girl. And so buy that product to try to attain what they have. But now in commercials, and I think of beer commercials specifically, they have very average people or just above average looking people so that you relate better to them. Isn't it wild how things have changed? That is strange. We do go through phases. Yeah. Um, in terms it's of like what's considered to be uh, the appropriate advertising approach. Like uh, yeah. one of the things I always noticed having a history in radio was the progression of what sort of an announcer voice people want for commercial advertising. Because in the 1950s, 60s, new Geritol, you know, just uh, mm -hmm. it would be some guy with a really deep booming voice um, going on it's and on about Geritol. Yeah. 
And now it's like some squeaky Apple nerd. Hey, guys, I just want to tell you about the new... You know, he's, yeah. It's not going to be a Geritol commercial, but the new Geritol is great. I really <laughs> yes. love it. My friends and me, you know, when we're going down to the pool hall wearing our scarves and our ironic glasses frames, we like to take a little bit just on our way down there. It just sort of <laughs> jazzes things up a little bit for us. New Geritol, dude. <laughs> when you use Windows 8 Metro, don't forget your Geritol. Geritol. So, yeah, things do change in terms of how people approach advertising. But Microsoft, for whatever reason, seems cursed and always <laughs> has been in that yeah. they they don't understand how to approach advertising. They don't know how to brand things. They don't know how to sell. A, they just don't know how to market stuff. And they never have. I don't understand it's why not, they're they so... Don't. They don't know what they are, I think, is the biggest issue. They, they went through many, many years, just like Google is now, buying everything and then poorly implementing it uh, rather than innovate themselves. So they don't know how to market themselves. Um, Jasmunda in the chat room says, happy wife, happy life. And then Aldous says, happy wife, happy wife. So Aldous essentially just said, no, what you said was bullshit, and I'm having none of it. He did it in a clever yeah. way, though. Well, not all of us can can be like you, Michael, and get to take a couple months off so, from all of it. I guess, Curtis, I don't really, I haven't really been following tech news very closely lately, and so I'm not really up on the way forward as far as this. Well, we've got the news story that you sent me, and so I guess I could just mention some of the things that it says. This is from Computer World. Microsoft will announce its Make Them Eat Metro strategy, or they're going to renounce, rather. Yeah. I'm sorry. The way my computer, uh, my, my broadcasting setup currently is here, I have this windshield in front of my microphone, and the mic arm is positioned just so that as I'm reading from the computer screen, as I currently am, I have to do it with only my right eye because the, <laughs> the mic shield is in my way with my left eye. So I really do sound like I don't have the appropriate number of chromosomes as I do this. Microsoft will renounce its Make Them Eat Metro strategy in an update for Windows 8.1 slated to ship this spring if leaked preliminary builds reflect the final product. According to WZOR, a Russian site that regularly gets its hands on unauthorized builds, Windows 8.1 Update 1, a refresh of last fall's revamp of the original Windows 8, will be. Uh, it's going to enable the boot to desktop setting, which is currently an option that you have to actively go in and opt into. It doesn't just happen. That's going to be default. Bypassing the Metro Start screen, and uh, so they're going to do a few other things too, aren't they? That's yeah. not the end of it. That's where I get a little fuzzy because I haven't followed it that closely. I guess this is where yeah, you so, step in. Yeah. So the 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 big thing from it is that two different things that I'll bring up related to it is that the business world has failed to embrace Windows 8 because of Metro uh, for such a long time now that Microsoft is actually losing money and big companies are purposely pushing. Uh, Windows 7 on their their products. Like we we got a tweet to our uh, spec sheet account on on Twitter from uh, one of, one of our followers that brought this up, Stephen Otero at at O T E R O one number one uh, says that uh you know sure you've seen this, but HP is bringing back Windows 7 by popular demand. Uh, exact same point. If HP is bringing back Windows 7 because they hate Metro so much. Microsoft is finally getting scared and realizing they need to listen. 
So this is a big deal that they're they're switching it for that reason. But there, there's several other things that uh that are happening with it that are going to really minimize the feeling of Metro from this point forward. I think the the modern mix and stuff like that is it helps really. Yeah, well, it's pushing. I mean, Microsoft even officially supports that being installed. I mean, like they they are not against the idea of it. Uh, so. Well, if they take that. that away from people, all bets are off. I mean, yeah. if they get if they take away my ability to modify the system so that I can avoid the things I want to avoid, wow. Yeah. That's when I do start considering a Mac. <laughs> that's when I actively yeah. would consider it. I, there's yeah, no I, way I that's going to I was just joking happen. with a friend that uh, my, uh, my Mac lately has been, uh, I, I have it default booting into Windows right now. It's kind of funny. Uh, 80% of all Macs have Windows running on them. Yeah. You know yeah, that. I use both on it. Yeah. So um, Windows eight, sort of a sort of a bad move, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's finally falling into line with Windows seven. God, you know, I I guess that's why I say I recommend installing Windows eight because I know what to do to make it usable. I know how to reconfigure everything and. But most people just don't. Most people want to use a computer like a toaster or a microwave. They just want to turn it on, and it does the things they need it to do, and they know how to make it do those things. But when you just come in arbitrarily and say, yeah, we're going to change the user interface. Why? I don't know. We're just going to change it so that you'll be ready to buy our bullcrap tablets when we start trying to shove that shit down your throat because, hey, we want to be in the tablet market. Well, why do you want to be in the tablet market? Well, because Apple is. Well, why is Apple in the tablet market? Well, because they innovated and they produced a tablet that people actually want to buy for the first time ever where we failed. Oh, why'd it's you fail? It's a lot fail? like a toaster. Why'd I you mean, fail? Uh, well, we were just sort of asleep at the wheel. Okay, well, who's responsible for that? That's yeah. the question. Uh, I'd like to know what the philosophy is in Microsoft, what the culture is, that they can just have such a, uh, a universal clamoring from everybody, from their customers to their uh, vendors to their uh, their PC manufacturer partners everywhere you look just in unison everyone can be telling you you're doing the wrong thing this is not right this is the wrong way forward I just wonder what the culture has to be there where that can be ignored for so long with such steadfastness yeah uh, I don't think People any other making a lot of money without having to think <clears throat> Microsoft makes so much money off of inertia that they don't really have to respond to what the market says it wants. That's uh, mm -hmm. that's really what they do. They make money off of inertia, not any yeah. sort of innovation technologically. Apple is. I mean, I'd I'd much rather be Microsoft than Apple in the long term, uh, yeah. because Microsoft is going to continue making its money. It's just not. It's that's not going anywhere. It's inertia, and that inertia is going to continue. They've already. They've already gone beyond the threshold of. Oh well, what do we have to do to keep ourselves dominant? They're dominant, and they're going to stay dominant on PCs. PCs aren't going away. I guess that's the big... That's I the was just having this conversation about Linux, that I think Linux on the desktop is is pretty much dead. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's PCs niche, aren't but, going anywhere. I mean, people, are, yeah. people who are like uh, tech observers, tech journalists, they're just walking around repeating what they've heard other people say. Oh, the PC is dead. The era, the era of the PC is over. I'm sorry. I really just do not think so. I don't think it's going yeah. anywhere. And uh, once they get the Windows 8 thing straight, I think a lot of the movement you've seen in the market has directly been the result of Windows 8. But for oh, yeah, yeah. But, if they if that had been a a much cleaner 
uh, progression from Windows 7 to Windows 8, then, yeah, people wouldn't have been as likely to say, well, hey, maybe this tablet can do something for me. I mean, we see all these statistics left and right. Uh, people are gravitating away from, from PCs. Sales are down 10%, 12%, 13% over the course of a quarter. Oh, it's horrible. Well, look at what people are getting when they typically go buy a PC at Best Buy or Walmart. They're getting a hobbled machine that's, that's confusing to use, that they don't like, that their relatives already bought before them and advised them not to buy. So they're not. Yeah, but it's the only thing they had. They, and they bought it because they had to. They had no choice. That's the yeah. inertia. And that's what's not going anywhere. People are going to keep buying PCs. It's, they're going to get yeah. cheaper. They're going to become more disposable. But people are going to keep buying them, and my, Microsoft's inertia is not going anywhere. That's why I'd rather be Microsoft than Apple, because Apple has to keep innovating. Apple has to stay interesting. That's well, the mistake Microsoft is making. They don't need yeah. to be interesting. They don't need to innovate. They're through in that business. They're not a player in that kind of a market anymore, but they think they are. Yeah, well, Apple's already proven what happens when you lose the perception of innovation. Uh, I mean, the company almost died once. And I think it's going to do that again. I, I think we're we're on the edge of, I, I think the tide's turning against Apple. I mean, Samsung has beat them up so many times now that it's, it's inevitable. In uh, Microsoft, uh, they don't even have to think. I mean, they, if they, if some new thing comes out, let's say some level of technology in the augmented reality world continues to, to dominate Oculus Rift, they're either going to get bought by Google or a Microsoft. So neither of those companies have to develop something internally anymore. Uh, all the cool things that uh, th that we've seen from Google have been bought by bought from other companies that innovated it. Uh, Aldous is ask, asking us uh, in the chat room which tablet uh, should he use being a Windows person. And uh, I would say if, if you really want a tablet and you want to use it for surfing the web, and just watching videos and little things like that, get an iPad or a Nexus. Either of those, you'll be fine. If you think you want to try to do things like Office, you know, that type of stuff, then get a Windows tablet. But don't spend the money on the Windows tablet unless you're sure you're going to be doing more than surfing the web. Does anyone really things. want to use Office on a tablet? This is another miss. What I think yeah, I is like a it. misperception. I don't really I like think it to view, but not to work. That's the thing. I mean, the, there's this idea that people are just clamoring to use Office on a tablet, and that's the big selling point. And I'm sorry, I just, I don't, I'd ra I want to use Office on a real keyboard. Essentially, you're, when we say Office, we're, for the most part, we're saying word processing. Right, what one do, spreadsheet, yeah. Yeah, but primarily word processing. I mean, people are doing more Word documents than Excel spreadsheets, I think, at least. I don't know. Oh, trust but, me, I bet you there's three to one spreadsheets. You think so? Oh, yeah, because spreadsheets, everyone thinks that anything that relates to numbers, let's make a spreadsheet. Okay, well, I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, the, the point of the, well, the point I'm making is that I, in either case, whether it's word processing or spreadsheets, I don't want to do that on some hobbled little keyboard that's got to be just the right size so that it can fit into a faux leather cover that goes around my tablet. Or uh, a Bluetooth keyboard that's larger. Okay, now I'm walking around with a keyboard and a, and a tablet. Oh, do I have a mouse too? Okay, well then why don't I just go out and get a $350 to $400 Windows laptop that does everything I could possibly want it to do and more? The only thing I can see that it wouldn't be able to do is run a particular Android application that I might need to run, which I'm going to be taking care of 
anyway on that front because I have an Android phone. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Like, WR250 mentioned on his tablet uh, or on their tablet, they've got an Asus transformer that they watch movies, listen to podcasts, and surf the web. That's that's really all a tablet should be used for. It's a consumption I device, agree. not a work device. I agree. Microsoft wants the best of both worlds. They want to tell yeah. everybody where the company you go to and you want to get things done. But at the same time, they want to be hip and cool and say, hey, we have tablets. But then out of the other side of their mouth, they're saying to that other crowd that they previously told, we're the company to get work done. Oh, you can do work on these two. Mm -hmm. They're speaking out of both sides of their mouths in terms of what it is their tablets are for. And it just doesn't get where I'm not saying, no, you can't do work on a tablet. Yes, you can. It's just not the optimal environment to do it. There are better ways to get work done. It's called a laptop. If you need to be mobile, get a laptop. Yeah, it's you know, it's for, cheaper for and better. This. I, I would almost say, I mean, you can get a low-end i5, uh, that's the CPU that would be running in a, uh, the, an Intel i5 laptop. You can get one for three, $400, but for the purposes that he's mentioned in the chat room, being on the forum, doing email, docs, uh, I would almost say if he was interested in being a little cutting edge is get a Chromebook. I mean, you don't need a big operating system for that. You're basically running, you know, as But why? Down. I mean... I mean, well, just what do they it, cost? Well, you, you can get low-end Samsung uh, Chromebooks yeah. for, for cheap. Yeah, well, I, I guess. The thing is that the battery lasts forever. I mean, it's uh, you. I wouldn't get it for your main office working. You know, you, you're not going to dock a Chromebook and sit and use it all day. But if you travel a lot and you just want to do basic things, you want more than a tablet, but you don't really care if it's a full-fledged laptop. A Chromebook would be interesting to do. I, I wouldn't. I don't trust you, Google enough to buy a Chromebook, and the reason why I say that is because if I imagine myself buying a Chromebook, that means I imagine myself using Google Drive a lot on that Chromebook in order to access all the data that I'm not going to be able to store on that computer because it doesn't operate on a traditional file system as we think of a laptop operating on. At yeah, least no, that's, that's my understanding of it. And since yeah. micro, and since Google has done nothing to maintain Google Drive, uh, it's essentially abandonware. I don't have the confidence in them as as a company to go buy into this Google Chromebook environment ecosystem. I just, I don't know. They they've got too many products that are just withering on the vine. Google Drive is a huge example of that. Oh my God! If you use Google Google Drive on a Windows machine and you have the desktop client installed so that it can sync a folder just like Dropbox does between your computer and Google Drive, it is so devoid of functionality. There are right. so many features that are just uh, uh, conspicuously missing that over the course of how many years has Google Drive been in operation now have not even been touched. There are bugs. It crashes. It's it's a horrible experience, and so clearly Google has, at some point along the way here, decided that maybe they're not all in on this whole cloud thing as they told everybody they were. And if they're not all in on the cloud thing, I don't know how it is that they can be viewed as a consistent voice when it comes to buying into something like the Chromebook, which is going to depend on these cloud services that Google, again, clearly just doesn't give a shit about. Yeah, well, I think the big thing or big big part of this is the whole fear about cloud being compromised, and I think it's safe to say that it is uh, because every major storage company has changed the rules in the last six months. 
uh, SugarSync, which was a, a backup tool I used, which is similar to Google Drive. It's going to pay only. Uh, Dropbox has changed significantly from what it was uh, six months ago. Uh, there's multiple others that have closed down uh, or gone away with any kind of free service. Uh, and then look at uh, remote tools. I don't know if you use Log Me In at all, but I kind of lumped uh, that into the same area. I was going to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, it's isn't it so frustrating that for it's been six seven years that I've worked with that and built a big part of my business on being able to support people using this tool and it's free and they've promised me it'll always be free for my basic uses and I paid for it when I needed the bigger you know parts of it uh, and now they're they're changing the rules. What annoys me is that I do a lot of stuff with log me in through my mobile device. So I paid the $30 for the mobile app and now that's just going to be dead. That, that yeah. annoys me. I mean, you know, look, I went and looked at how much it costs to have, uh, actually I can go here right now and take a look at the pricing on this. Um, well, no, I can't. I used but, to maintain almost a hundred log me in pro licenses. Oh my God. At one point. What did that cost? Oh, it was, this was uh, five years ago, and I think I was paying, uh, was it $10 a month for each of those? Really? And of course, I was being bought. I think that's what it was. Huh. It was a per year. I'm trying to think what the per year price was. Well, I think it they, was a big amount of money. I think they want like $65 per year per machine to upgrade to LogMeIn Pro, but it's like all I do with oh, LogMeIn. That was in, Central. Okay. That was LogMeIn Central with the okay. control panel and everything on it. Well, they want me to pay like 65 bucks per machine. All I do with it is just control my machine. I don't really do anything fancy with it. I'm not transferring files. I'm not monitoring computer health or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not using any of the, these advanced services, at least not for what I personally do with LogMeIn. I'm not using yeah. any of those services. So I don't know. It's just like for the explicit pleasure of... Uh, controlling a computer remotely and really doing nothing more than that. I should pay 65 per year per machine to do that. I'm sorry. There are just too many free solutions out there. They should have come up with a better way to go about this. I think this was too steep of a cliff to step yeah. over. There should have been, there had, there had to be a better way to do this. I mean, like yeah, just I'm give really people, just them. give people only the ability to control their computer and nothing else. Which basically was what log me and free was. You really couldn't do yeah. much else other than just control the computer. Yeah. I, I mean, you're going to tell me I have to go from that, which was fine, to this other service, which has all this other stuff, all of these other features, file management, file sharing, desktop sharing, chat, computer management, changing computer settings, um, performance info about the computer, just all of this stuff that I don't need. And I, I don't want it. I don't know. I think LogMeIn is going to quickly lose a lot of market share as a result of this. I think so, too. I mean, because they were, like I said, they were a big part of what I used to support servers and uh, desktop machines. And there's no way if I, would do, if I was still in the same situation I was back then, I would not touch that. I was complaining that, about this to my friend Tom. Uh, he's the guy that does the liner voices, at least for our show. And he was like, well, they gave you six months of LogMeIn free because you bought the app. For $30, I'm like, well, okay, but that still doesn't erase the nasty taste I have in my mouth. I mean, what good is yeah. that going to do me when six months roll by? 
I'm going to be right back here and I'm going to be saying to myself, this sucks. And I don't know, man. It just seems like there was a better solution than this. I used to always tell people if you need some sort of a remote solution to be able to control a computer remotely, log me in is just absolutely fantastic. And now this blows out. Uh, I'm going to have to, I've got computers in Morocco that I control a lot. Gonna have to figure out a new solution there. That should be fun. God, there is Team yeah. Viewer. I, I've got a list yeah, of. Uh, here are five alternatives to log me in free for remote PC access: Team Viewer, Windows Remote Desktop, VNC, WebEx Free. Uh, is that five? I thought that was four. I don't know. They say five. I think <laughs> it's because I the read. fifth is bad. Um, there are other solutions out there, but. Whatever. And then I nothing guess. was as easy as uh, tell somebody on their home, whatever PC, home or business PC, go to log me in, have a generic username and password that they could use, they could get into, and then change it once they, you know, were logged into it. Install that quick client, and boom, there you are supporting their computer. I got a little sidetracked earlier when we were talking about the uh, Google Drive thing, and uh, actually the same guy, Tom, who does the liner voices. Uh, the other day showed me BitTorrent Sync, which mm -hmm. is essentially Dropbox that uh, operates over the BitTorrent protocol. So um, what you do is you have this software, you install it on your machine. It can be set to uh, synchronize any particular folder or folders on your machine, and it gives you a hash key. And you can enter that key into any other machine that you have anywhere that this software is also running on. And it'll just automatically go out there and it knows where to go to synchronize the two machines over BitTorrent. And so the, what that means is the more machines in different physical locations that you have that are running this, the faster the throughput speeds are going to be whenever you're synchronizing because you out there on your phone... Or you out there, let's say, in Brazil on your laptop are going to be synchronizing with multiple, um, like, clients, I guess, on your BitTorrent. Never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm drowning. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about that, that I, I don't know enough about it to really uh, go into a lot of detail, but if it's using BitTorrent, are you seeding, when you put in your encryption key for it, are you the only seeder and downloader of it, or are you passing that off to anyone else who's in the, the BitSync uh, community? And are know. they all storing some of your bits of data, too? It's just encrypted, supposedly, so they can't access it. That's my only worry I'd want to look into before I used it seriously. But if it works out to where all your computers are sitting out there seeding something that no other computer can connect to unless they have that uh, seed key... And it's encrypted in some way. That's a cool idea. Then I, I do like that. I don't know. I I'm assuming I'm assuming that people could get access to your data, but it would just be encrypted. Right. Well, I just don't like that idea. Well, it does kind of suck. But I mean, you've already chosen to transmit your data over the internet. So right. I mean, what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah, true. If you go to bitsync.com, I don't think this is a uh, the same service. <laughs> Someplace in Columbia, Maryland. <laughs> I don't Bit know. Bitsync Company. Uh, yeah, that was not the right website for it. Well, you can go to Newegg.com right now and buy a terabyte hard drive, 7,200 RPM, 64 meg cache for $63. Just get a few of those, slap them in 
your machines in different locations and just make that your BitTorrent sync drive and tell Dropbox and Google Drive and all the others goodbye. I think I, I saw how it works, and boy, was I impressed. I mean, it really works the way I would hope it does. I mean, you just open up the app on your phone and there's the listing of all the files and folders and none of them have been downloaded to your phone. Um, it's just a listing and whatever yeah. file you access will then be downloaded to the device. Yeah. I, I like the idea of it. I mean, it sounds kind of cool. I just, I, if I look into it, I'll, which I'll do that uh, to see, cause I, I need to find some new service. I'm just tired of paying Google $20 a month for my 430 gigabytes of Google Drive storage. Um, just just knowing how uninterested they are in maintaining that service, I don't know. And They've seeing, collected all the data they need about you. Yeah, they've got all my uh, random penis pictures uh, yeah, stored in a cache somewhere. Okay, uh, Yahoo's going to get back into search. Big deal. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I guess that's Marissa Meyer's bid to look relevant uh, now that she yeah. uh, has is a, a woman scorned from Google. Um, <laughs> what better thing to do than go into search, right? Yeah. Have you heard the or, or seen the? Uh, uh, oh, it's not a press conference, but their uh, their session at. at one of the big shows that just happened recently. Uh, but uh, she had Katie Couric on and they were talking and it was so bad. Yeah, I heard that. I heard the audio from that on No Agenda. Yeah, that's where I heard it first too. And Katie uh, Couric, that's really where you go to turn yeah. a new leaf? Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Man. Yeah. I guess if you want to do a show about, you know, women in media who feel threatened and thus get plastic surgery, that would be interesting. I would watch that. <laughs> As long yeah, as it's well, honest and in-depth, I think Katie Couric's perfect for something like that. <laughs> nice. Well, maybe we'll end up on there someday. Maybe Marissa Meyer will want us to uh, talk about tech. I would really hate to be a woman in, in media, uh, like a woman in TV media or a woman who is a an actress. I would, I mean, because, man, they just reach a certain age, it seems to me, where they realize, oh, I am going to get old. And then they just go yeah. batshit crazy. There's so many uh, actresses, though, that are, you know, in, in the, I guess, the middle age category that I bet they're making so much money. I mean, I think there's a bigger market now than there was in the past. I mean, it's all image based anyway. But, but they all go nuts, though. They, they're they all obsessed with, oh, I got to look young. Oh, I got to look beautiful. Oh, I gotta. Well, but whereas it, it is men weird. don't really typically have to worry about that stuff. I've always thought it was weird how you always have these guys who are in their their 60s and they have 30 year old wives and movies and that's I mean, awesome. you know, that's not realistic that's the life i hope to be living well, i mean yeah we all want that but <laughs> you, know, you always want to trade in for the newer device i'm sure but. at some point i'll tell nabila hey it's been real uh, yeah. things have gone south though yeah and so it's time to uh make a move <laughs> yeah i'll be uh upgrading on uh February 25th, so I'll need you to go ahead and pack up your stuff and be ready to go before they gay her. When in reality, I'm the one in the relationship nobody would want. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, but according to Hollywood, you're, you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, AT&T reduces rates for their high data plans, so do you have the numbers real quickly? Yeah, so uh, if you have, they're basing it off the number of devices that you have. So if you have two smartphones, you're going to pay $130 a month for a 10-gigabyte plan with unlimited uh, talk and text. 
if, if I want everyone who has a AT&T uh, service before you go and buy into their mobile share family plan, check what you really have and compare your usage because this does not seem like a, a good deal to me, especially if one user uh, hogs bandwidth on your lines, then you might get left in the cold. They're paying or you know, the whole group paying more uh, because of it. Uh, I just, I don't know if you have, if you have three phones, it goes up to basically $15 increments from two phones, three phones, four phones, uh, five phones. If you have five, you're going to pay $175 a month for 10 gigs and unlimited talk and text. And uh, I've got two phones with AT&T that I have five gigs on one and three gigs on another. And they have unlimited, uh, they don't have unlimited, I guess, but we have enough minutes that feels unlimited and nights and weekends and unlimited text. And I pay less than the, the two smartphone plan in this, which is 130. I wonder when we're going to reach the day when uh, having a mobile device that has data access reaches the price point where it should really actually in reality yep. be. I mean, paying like, for instance, my wife and I, we have two phones on Verizon app. Hey, how about this? 160 bucks a month. Fork it over. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's too much money. I'm sorry. $80 per month to do what we do on these devices that's too much. They, yeah. they, I mean, with, with technology where it is, bandwidth is worthless, basically. With the infrastructure that's out there now in terms of our ability to move ones and zeros from one side of the world to the other, bandwidth is essentially worthless well, now. And so you can't say it's worth paying $160 a month on that basis. We've got towers everywhere. The infrastructure is out there. It's all been paid for many times over. I just don't understand why it still costs so much to have a phone with data. This is bullshit. That's why I, I, I've been so excited about Google's Project Loon, which is the uh, network of balloons all floating up in the upper atmosphere and filling yeah. with gas to uh, like uh, change their yeah. altitude and steer around that whole thing. Everybody all over the world will have access to the Internet, which means in turn that we'll all have mobile devices that are capable of communicating over this network. So there's... Just inherently, by the nature of what this thing is going to be, there's a new cell network globally that anyone will have access to. And so I think, uh, but I'm no longer excited about that just because I'm seeing so much crap from Google where they're they're taking a shit on things that I don't think this is ever going to come to fruition. I think this is just, yeah. I, I, I don't think they're going to do it. They just seem like a company without direction, well, without vision. If there was ever, I, I, I'm not for the government, like the U.S. government, getting involved in things. I'd much rather them stay out unless there's a major need. But selfishly, if there was one area I would like them to get involved in, and the FCC is to create a nationwide wireless network. They're already monitoring all of our data anyway, so I'm not even worried about the fact that the government might be providing the bandwidth. But there's so many things that turn out to be good for that Uh Think about how for emergency services, for, you know, homeland protection, uh, and then just quality of life. If I paid my taxes every year and I had access to the Internet on whatever devices I want to add to it and make it wireless, make it I, I make it power line. I don't care. That's that's not that hard to do. And the infrastructure is already there. I'll, I'll pay an extra five dollar a you know, a month tax or something on my uh, electric bill to have, you know, go- the government provided the resources to make sure everyone was connected to it. But 
why is our government not doing that? I mean, all the different things that are out there, all the green technology stuff they spend money on, or on the other side of it, all the mil military stuff they spend money on, cars. Well, the the that question can, is, what friends do certain politicians have within the telecommunications industry who lobby yeah. those politicians not to compete with them? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it. It, look back in the day with the the railroad system and then the the national highway system. Why, and, and this is totally against my typical politics, but I mean those things happened by the government too. Why hasn't the government got involved in trying to create a national uh, internet superhighway? I mean it's a very cheesy title for it, but I've always you know, believed that things that we have to have, things that are an essential part of life, clean water, electricity. Healthcare, um, just any number of those things, and I, I, I now view that having internet access as one of those things, just because of the just the array of day-to-day -day things that you do and accomplish, and on the internet. I mean, think of the yeah. things that you would have such difficulty accomplishing. The the amount of information you wouldn't have access to, the number of things that you're educated on that you that you wouldn't be. If you didn't have access to the internet, I view that as something that is essential to life. It's that fundamentally groundbreaking in terms of what our existence on this planet is like. The internet is that revolutionary and it changes everything. And so I think that yeah. things that people have to have access to just in the course of living their day-to-day -day lives, I've always believed should be not for profit and should be operated by us as people as a society, as a community. In other words, the government. That's how us right. is manifested uh, whenever whenever we do things, through the government. That's how we as a people, as a society, represent ourselves like logistically. When things actually get done, that's how we do it, through government. And I, I just, uh, I don't know, I, I would have no problem with the government stepping in and Creating yeah, I mean, some means by which to ensure everyone has access to good, reliable, high-speed uh, internet access at a reasonable price. Uh, I would have nothing against that. Yeah, that's always bugged me. I mean, look at the thing, the, the, the avenues that open up for people who are underprivileged or underserved. Once they have internet access and they can go to school online, they can better themselves, they can get jobs uh, that are internet-based, real jobs. Uh, every, I mean, so many things would be opened up by a network like that. That would only be good for our country. The the negatives already are there. I mean, we already have all the things that we dislike about the internet and the government together on the private internet. So it it's not like a single thing would change when it came to the negatives with a government provided internet. Just really quickly, I mean, unless they were to yeah, unless they were to monitor it. But I think that that's the whole point. Is it have to be net neutrality based? That was the next story in my stack here, this court that came in and essentially yeah. threw out all of the net neutrality regulations that the FCC put into place back in 2010. You know, I, re I remember... About who knows who. I remember listening to Rush talk about net neutrality back in 2010 when this all came down from the FCC, talking mm -hmm. about it being a, a, a huge abridgment of our freedoms and how the FCC has no business stepping in and... Uh, moderating these sorts of things, and I just thought you really don't have any clue, do you, at all? What what is at stake here in terms of uh, privately owned companies 
controlling the spigot people use to get online. You don't have any idea, apparently, whatsoever what could happen if there's no government regulation to tell Internet service providers like AT&T, like Verizon, what they can and can't do with the traffic that I send and receive over their networks. So now AT&T is freely uh, and openly allowed to charge me let's say, an additional fee per month if I use Google services or to yeah. charge Google a fee every time one of their customers uses their network to access Google services, which, by the way, is not far-fetched because uh, I think it was in 2006 the CEO of AT&T publicly expressed a desire to be able to do this. and and But for things like these regulations that were handed down by the FCC in 2010 that very well may have come to pass we may have actually seen yeah. these sorts of uh, approaches uh, taken and I, I mean it's very simple a packet of data sent over the internet is a packet of data it shouldn't matter whether it's a Skype packet okay so yeah that that means okay if uh, charter communications with whom I have internet access here at my office they have a phone service that they would like me to subscribe to but they could now step in and say, anytime you use Skype over our internet connection, we're going to bill you for that as though you had done so over our phone system that we otherwise would like to sell you. Why? Because we can. Because you're circumventing services that we offer for pay through our other services. I mean, I've been so proud yeah. of myself cutting the cord all these years watching Netflix over the same cable connection that I'm not subscribing to uh, TV services on. I mean... <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. I've, I have I haven't got to the point where I've fully cut the cable. Uh, oh, we have not had a cable subscription since 2009. And even when we did have that one, we only had it for like three months and then we decided this is bullshit. We got yeah. rid of it. And our lives were, were entirely... Um, uninterrupted by that, and we haven't missed it one bit. Yeah, I think I would be fine, too. <clears throat> but with uh, the uh, this court stepping in and saying that the FCC has no business dictating what net neutrality regulations have to be on the books and uh, what sort of standards and practices your Internet service provider has to abide by, it's the Wild West. They can do anything yeah. they want. They're going to do what is in their best financial interest, which means you, you the consumer... We're about to get screwed. I swear these people are forcing me to become a communist. Yeah. Well, this opens the door for uh, sponsored messages on your internet, which drives me crazy, too. I mean, now you're going to open up a, a browser window and there's going to be another. Do you remember the days of, I think it was Net Zero, when you would dial into it, they would have a, a little frame opened up that has advertising on it. And as long as you were... Uh, keeping that up and clicking every once in a while to show it's active, you can still have free internet. <laughs> that's awesome. Man. Yeah, that's going to be your days. phone, everything. Yeah, that's really... And uh, Jasmunda in the chat room asks where I got my reality TV fix from. BitTorrent. I download, <laughs> I download Gold Cash. Rush. Uh, well, there's, there's Netflix where I watch Deadliest Catch, although I sometimes get a little impatient. I don't want to wait for the next season to show up on Netflix, so... Hey, I hit the BitTorrent. Just goes to show that they should have provided me a legal uh, paid means that's simple and makes sense in order to have access to that sooner. They didn't, so I downloaded it. I would have been able to see it sooner or later anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, Gold Rush, download that from BitTorrent. Um, what other stuff? My wife watches uh, The Biggest Loser, and she watches 
The Bachelor, just really horrible shows. My wife watches. I mean, if you well, want, hey, your 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 wife and mine should hang out and watch TV together. Then, if you could just ma imagine the most abhorrent, the most socially vapid and useless things that are known to exist in our culture today on television, those are all the shows that my wife watches. So uh, be careful where you render comment. Just make sure she's not around. As you, uh, she is Arab, um, and she has been around explosives before. So just be careful. <laughs> That's a requirement at birth, right? Uh, she, she's Arab, but she has no explosives experience, at least none that I'm aware of. So I was joking there. I, I need to watch my terrorist commentary on this show. I sometimes get a little carried away, and I uh, <laughs> apologize in advance. Um, the Wii U stinks, and no one wants to buy it. Nintendo is in the shitter. Do you have any commentary on that? I really don't. I I've seen the Wii U, and it makes no sense yeah. to me whatsoever. I have no idea what's going on there with that little tablet thing in conjunction with a console. What? Yeah, the the Wii U is the whole reason why I have a Xbox 360 with a Connect. It doesn't make any sense. What do you do with that thing? Right. Yeah. I'm I've asking. I mean, I, yeah. I I'm I'm looking at that, and I, it's just so ambiguous to me what people are what do you do i i just uh yeah. that that's not clearly obvious well, as i take a look at that thing well they, they've already got the uh, ds or 3ds which they then went backwards and did the 2ds on so the the 3d aspect of it's gone <clears throat> i'm if you're looking for a company that's floundering looking for direction uh Mario's not carrying them nearly as much as they used to. I just recently read a report that uh, Nintendo's actually considering for the first time to license Mario for mobile games on phones and things like that. So uh, that's probably the best thing. Boy, that that's going to be a sad day when Nintendo yeah. just becomes a company that licenses out when these characters. Sega? Is that essentially what they would be? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Sega went from being a platform and gaming production. Well, that is true, isn't it? Because gaming production to yeah. licensing and gaming. Yeah, now that you say that, that's true because I remember seeing the Sega logo on games long after anyone bought a Sega console. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Sega's still around. They just, yeah. they're they're a, a production <laughs> group now instead of a, that's a disappointing. company. I'm surprised they couldn't make it, I guess. Uh, well, they, they always, the, the, the problem was. Everyone had a Sega. Yeah, well, no, the way I always saw it was everybody had Nintendo, and then people who looked at specs also had a Sega. Or back in the handheld days, if you remember the Neo Geo, oh, yeah. uh, that that one was so much faster and better than every other handheld, but, like, me and one other guy were the only people I knew who had one. You had a Neo Geo? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I, I was in the seventh grade, mm. approximately, when that thing was on the market and it was just yeah. like this is pre-internet i'm 34 years old so how old are you in the seventh grade like 13 is that yeah. right yeah okay so yeah, this you're, you said you're 34 yeah, yeah so, so you're, you're yeah just a year so this would have been around 92 ish mm -hmm. 93 somewhere in there yeah. and it's so it's pre-internet before like like it's so easy now i was watching uh, i know you need to go i'll shut up here in a minute but I was watching this uh, documentary called War Room, which is about the 1992 presidential campaign to elect Bill Clinton. And they go in uh, behind the scenes and you see James Carville and George Stephanopoulos, how they're working and strategizing and making phone calls. And you even see some of Bill Clinton behind the scenes. And uh, the uh, 
one of the scenes that struck me was I'm watching George Stephanopoulos. He's running down the sidewalks, and George Bush Sr. has just given a speech somewhere. He's like, we got to find out what he said. We got to find out what he said. Everybody, we, someone help. We got to find out what he said. What did he say? And I'm just thinking, my God, the, the contrast between that and running a presidential campaign today in today. the year 2014, oh, yeah. you just pull a, a, a candy bar plastic device out of your pocket. Oh, that son of a bitch. Look what he said. You've already got the advanced uh, information that the press got that, before they even given a speech. I was so struck by that, just how much things have changed since 1992. And, and this is sort of similar as I'm thinking about the Neo Geo thing. When I was in the seventh grade, we'd hear about this gaming console, Neo Geo, and it was so powerful and it was so expensive and unattainable. We would never have that. You know, and no one I knew had one. Um, I knew I never would have one. I knew that none of my friends ever would have one. It was just <laughs> this this misty, smoky image in my mind of some amazing gaming console that if you had you uh, you would just essentially vaporize on the spot the second you turned it on. The, the other guy. But, but none of us could go online and look stuff up about this right. thing. That's the whole point I'm making Nintendo is just how different. If you didn't, and I didn't have that. So none of us, well, some people did. But my point is this mystique that surrounded this machine was only there because I didn't have access to information. I couldn't just yeah. go watch a YouTube video about it and be like, eh, yeah. It's okay, but I guess I'm not as interested as I thought I was. Instead, it was just this, ooh, Neo Geo. Ooh. The, the funny thing is uh, Android, for the first couple years of the Android platform, I saw it just like the Neo Geo. This really cool open thing, because like with the Neo Geo, you had this big screen, and you're playing basically arcade ports on a handheld device in color when everyone else was using these tiny little monochrome screens, and I think there was one other that maybe was color, but it was terrible. Uh but the Neo Geo was awesome. Everything that it did, it did really well. But it didn't. Do, it, it was very uh, limited, uh, and, and there weren't, weren't nearly as many games. So the few games you could get for Neo Geo at the beginning, uh, they were awesome. But then you would look at your friends beside you, which I, I mean, I had a, a Game Boy and all that too. But they, you, you would have like. 20, 30 games for the other system, but for Neo Geo, you had like four. But those four arcade games were awesome. You know, you can still yeah. buy an, uh, you can buy a brand new Neo Geo right now. I would love to have another one of that those. That plays all of those same games. That'd be cool. And with with a few technological about, upgrades, but. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't really thought about it because I have a bunch of Nintendo and uh, Sega ROMs. I bet there was ROMs for that too. I think it's actually called Neo Geo. Like you can go buy these Nintendo units that'll like on. They're all over eBay. If you like, if you want to play old eight bit Nintendo games from the NES, I forget what they're called. It's like a Famicom or something. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. That, well, that that was the company or that was the name overseas for it, wasn't it? For Nintendo? Yeah, I thought so. Well, I don't know. All I know is it's not Nintendo. At least it doesn't say Nintendo, and it looks nothing like a Nintendo. But there it is. It'll play all yeah. these games. I was just gonna say. The Neo Geo that you can buy right now, it is actually a Neo Geo. I mean, it's it's designed yeah. in the same way and everything. It's yeah, I, was, crazy. I just went to, to Wikipedia for uh, Famcom was the initial name uh, when it was released. Oh, it's in, Famcom. Uh, family Computer is what they called it. I thought it was uh, Famicom. I'm, I was wrong. I apologize to the... Uh, no, it is. It's Famicom. Oh, okay. It, I was right. It's, so it's um, I retract that apology. It, I yeah, had that, it. 
you never happened. Uh, I was going to say a name I always would see it associated with uh, Nintendo. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there's so many different uh, rip-off versions of them. Uh, do we want to comment quickly on the Microsoft CEO situation? I know nothing about Satya Nadella. Yeah, he's uh, been with the for a, a while. I've heard the uh, name before. Yeah, well, he's one of the people that in articles we had seen months ago, he, he was out there. Uh, as a realistic person to take the job. Is he the guy uh, that was running the board that was looking for a CEO? Is he? I, I don't remember that. Because I remember no. John C. DeVore being like, ah, it'll be the guy who's running the board. That's yeah. the guy, the, or the, the search committee. The guy who's running the search committee, he's going to be the CEO. That always happens with these things. So I was, <laughs> yeah. It's true, though. I mean, it's a lot of times the guy who's on the search is the guy who becomes, it's so easy to pick himself. I don't know what that company's going to do. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're promoting for men. Uh, so that, that pretty much tells you uh, not a lot's going to change. I love a quote from the article on uh, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, uh, one, one of the lead uh, or opening paragraphs that says, uh, Satya Nadell recalls asking Steve Ballmer in a management performance review how he stacked up against greats from Microsoft Corp's past. The chief executive, Ballmer, uh, called the question nonsense because it didn't focus on the future of the company. Uh, it says, that moment transformed Mr. Nadell's, or Nadella's thinking. What drives me every morning and what keeps me up every night is one thing. This business is not about longevity. It's about relevance. That's your new CEO. Okay. Uh, really, yeah. Uh, so when Apple releases a tablet, we'll continue releasing one too. Yes. Hey, that's great. Things are just going to be juicy moving forward. It's going to be very exciting. I can't wait to see it. And uh, whatever. We, Microsoft we, 3.0, just like 2.0. Enjoy that, everybody. In the meantime, enjoy your revamped Windows 8.1 whenever that comes out, supposedly this spring sometime. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens to the PC market after that. But I think too little, too late. I think the perception is out there that if you buy a PC you are uh, going to end up being saddled with something you hate, and that's how people see it. And after two years of being bombarded with it, good luck changing everybody's minds. Anyway, that's yeah. the spec sheet. We're out of here. Uh, thank you, Curtis. Thank you to everybody who listened live tonight, and we'll see you, I guess, next Saturday or next Tuesday. Actually, maybe yeah, this I'm coming Tuesday. Yeah, I'm all for getting back to our – that was a good plan. All right. Well, see, you You, sh you shouldn't have spoken there, and now that's I have true. to uh, – I didn't say anything. Yeah, edit that out. Uh, fix it in post. <laughs> All right, guys. See you. See you, everybody. Later. This is the spec sheet.